week, I want to talk to you guys about intentionality. And I've, those of you who have been with us through the whole journey, even as we're doing the pre-launch meetings and everything, you've heard me talk about that so many times. And my parents actually heard me talking about that and said, someday when we have a church building, I'm going to have a sign in my office that says intentionality. So my mom and my brother collaborated, or some other word, and they got together, and when we went down for the funeral a few weeks ago of my uncle, they presented this to us. So there we have it, framed. It's wonderful. Thank you again, Mom and Uncle Sean. But as I was thinking about this week, it's framed out of the experiences that I've had this week. And I don't know about you guys, but last week was extremely emotional to me. That illustration that God gave me and then to us, of us all linking hands together, and that we're all in this together, and we're just going in a direction together, it's just continued to play into my daily week. I mentioned before and a message I preached at North Church that I think all of you have heard, it's up on our website for those people who haven't, that when my wife first started um, as a teenager, her first boyfriend, she didn't know Jesus, she didn't have a relationship with Christ, she went to Catholic Church and had a lot of nuns around her, and, but never had heard about Jesus. And her boyfriend never told her anything about it, never knew anything, just assumed that they didn't know anything either. It wasn't until years, years, years later, in her 20s, that she got saved, and she found out even years later after that that they were a Christian family and went to church on Sunday mornings. They never extended to her, even though she was somewhat close in their family, an opportunity to know Christ. And it actually bothered her quite a bit. And she felt, how did you not love me enough? You loved me enough to be in a relationship with me, but you didn't love me enough to tell me the most important thing in the world. I was talking with someone this week and shared with them the secret that we have a church and that we're planting and what we're doing here and our, just what we're doing. And at the end... Uh, stupid me, I'm thinking that it's obvious that we want everyone to be a part of it. And she just said something later to the effect. She goes, uh, she goes well, Sunday's going to be a much better day. And I said, oh, does that mean you're going to come with us to church? And she says, you haven't invited me. And that's stung. I'm like, I've spent all this time trying to lead you to that path to get to that end, and I dropped it the ball at the last minute. I never actually invited her. I have a thing we put up on Instagram last night, and I don't know if you can see it or not, so we're going to try it. It's, you don't have to shut up the lights. I don't know if you can see it or not. Um, it's an image. You can see it on our Instagram page, our Facebook, and Twitter. It says... Where have you seen God this week? Where have you seen God this week? We've all heard the saying that you may be the only Jesus that someone sees. Where have you seen God this week? 
Where have the people around us seen God this week? For me, it was that young lady who was a waitress serving me my grilled chicken, green beans, and loaded mashed potatoes with sweet tea, which would be really good about now. And her stinging me, she couldn't have stung me anymore if she smacked me across the face when she said, are you going to ask me? But I realized that where we've been talking about intentionality, that we really have to take it beyond just something we put on our wall, something that we look at, but what are the focuses of what we're doing? Not just on Sunday morning, but actually every day during the week. So where we have dinner, where we have lunch, where we shop, my wife and I have been working on the guy at the supermarket right by our house and just over and over again just trying to tell him about the church and you know, build relationships with him all on purpose. Not because we want to discount at the store because we can't get one, you know? It's not because we can get anything. It's because we're intentionally wanting to build a relationship with him. So he would come. But is it just so he would come so we have more people in these seats? It's not. It's not for me at all. It's for the lives that will be changed. And I can guarantee you that within a three-mile radius of where we're at right now, there are 911 calls going on for families in, in situations for dis- domestic disputes, for people that are fighting with husbands and wives, children with their parents, and all kinds of situations, people losing their job. They don't know what to do. They are at the end of their rope. They don't know where to go, where to turn. And some of them may even be crying out and saying, if there's really a God in heaven... Show yourself. And he shows himself through us. So the funny thing is for me to ask that girl is like, of course I want you to come to church. For everybody else that we're asking, for Lenore with all of her coworkers at Costco, and yes, we want you to come to church. Will you come to church? But as I told this story, she goes, you know, she goes, I just thought of a handful of people that I literally haven't literally asked to come. I've been talking to them about the church, but I've never actually taken that step to say, will you come? So I have a short little video of how not to invite people to church. Hey, Tom. Hey. <laughs> First off, just let me say, I was wondering if maybe, you know, you would, <laughs> whoo, boy, this is so awkward. I just need to say it. And so I will say it. Here goes. What I'm trying to say is, are you using your stapler? Okay, so church goes way back. Don't you just love the intimate details of history? <laughs> hey, Tom. Nothing. What? See ya. You, you have things to do, don't you? I'm sorry. I, I can... I'm overwhelming you, aren't I? Are you overwhelmed? I mean, there, uh, there's many different kinds of churches. 
I didn't even want to talk to the woman. I mean, on and on and on she went. Like, get to the point already. The reformers were mad. <laughs> Extremely mad. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, thank you, but... Hey. So then, there he was. Paul Revere. Standing right there. Couldn't believe it. Turns out later it was a costume. I don't know why I'm so nervous. But enough about my therapist. <laughs> I'm being pushy, aren't I? I, oh, I hate pushy people. I'm sorry. Am I offending you? So I told him, shave your beards. Now. So that's, you know, that's where the church is, but that's that's far from you, isn't it? Oh, man, and then you have to pay for gas. I mean, and gas prices, that's rough. So then they were like, we'll settle Texas. You try and talk to those natives. <laughs> I mean, I didn't plan, you know, what I was going to, to say to you. I mean, that would be creepy. You know, helpful, but, I mean, creepy. I know, um... You know, probably, you know, what you're thinking is, you know, back off, pushy person. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't need to be pushy. I just, <laughs> I want to, you know, share with my heart. Hey, he's, he's right here. Hey, Tom, you want to come with us to church on Sunday? We'll pick you up. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. He's in. Can you relate to that? It's like, bah, bah, bah. you know, you can come up with all of these obstacles. But can I just challenge all of us that we may not be comfortable of giving the entire gospel of Jesus, giving the whole message, giving everything to, you know, you know answering all their questions. And that may not be something that every one of us is able to do. Probably many of us can. But can we do, I'm asking you to do what you can only do, and we will do as our church and the worship team and everybody that's here, we'll do what you may not be able to do or comfortable to do. But we can't do is invite your friends because we don't know your friends. We don't know the people that are around you. But you know what? Sometimes we feel like we're uncomfortable of saying it. As we just saw the video, it was just so awkward. Don't you feel uncomfortable for them? I mean, as they're talking, it's like, oh. I felt for the guy. You know, it's like, oh, get over. It's like, please. I mean, I'm sweating for him going, oh, this is so horrible. But they're uncomfortable when we ask them to come to church. So we can be uncomfortable to ask them. Again, I'll come back to what we've been talking about, the Pew Research Poll that showed that millennials are leaving church in record numbers because they've not seen anything real and legitimate. I want us to look really quick at Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And we're going to dig into this really quick and, and like we've been doing and putting yourself in the Bible. Jesus is going... He's just, his ministry's just taking off, and he's 
seeing things happen here everywhere he's going. And he's telling everybody, don't tell anybody. Let it, let just go, enjoy God touching you. But don't tell anybody. Of course, they're going and telling everybody. We pick up in verse 17. And one day he, Jesus, was teaching. And there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healings. Now, even right there, isn't it interesting that here all the scribes and Pharisees and the teachers of the law were all from all these other cities. They've traveled to get here to be with Jesus. But are they there to learn from Jesus, or are they there to catch Jesus? We're going to see in a minute they're there to catch Jesus. But isn't it interesting that they're just flooding in numbers of people from all these different areas to be there with Jesus? Verse 18. Now, they're right there in the presence of God. So even when they're sitting there judging the move of God, the presence of God was still there to perform healing. I think that's really awesome and interesting. Verse 18. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed... And they were trying to bring him in and to set him in front of him, Jesus. So here these guys have traveled. We don't know how many guys they were, but probably four or more. And they've got this guy that can't walk. He's paralyzed. And they've got him. And they're struggling. So they don't have wheelchairs. They don't have all the common you know, things that we have today that makes it really easy to transport people. They're struggling carrying this guy, perhaps even a, a significant distance, Because they've heard all about Jesus and they know that if they can just get him to Jesus, that their friend will be healed. And as I was reading the scripture, I was again reminded of all the people in our lives that need Jesus. That we would look at and go, man, if I can just get you to Jesus, your life will change. And they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. Verse 19, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. Now, who's the crowd? All the people that are there, but all the other teachers and Pharisees and all the people that are there to judge Jesus and to cause a problem, they're taking up space that the guy can't even get there to get his healing. So they went up on the roof and let down through the tiles with a stretcher in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Mark chapter 4 tells the same story. And it says, But he being unable to get him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they dug an opening, they let the pallet on which he was laying down. Can you imagine? Okay, so let's just, that's a great story. But let's actually realize what happened here. They traveled this whole way to bring their friend to Jesus because they know that he'll get healed. They get there and there's no room. The doors are shut. There's no, there's no possible way. Well, I've got my friend here who needs to get healing. Can, can I get through? And the people are just like too full. They can't get in. And they're like, please, won't you let me get in? Don't you see them? I mean, they're not, their first resort is not to crawl up on the roof and rip the roof off. They're trying everything they can. They can't press through that crowd. Think about the woman with the issue of blood that she pressed through the crowd and she goes, if I can just touch him, I know I'll have my healing. They have the same thing going on with him. If we can just get him to Jesus. Who is it that's up in the sycamore tree? Anybody remember Sunday school? Zacchaeus? 
And he's up there. If I can just see Jesus, I just want to see him. Here they are. They can't get him in there. Now, doing some sanctified reasoning with me, do you think they carried this guy, all four of them, and ladders, and roofing tools, and everything else to be able to get up, and rope, and everything it takes to lower him down? So think about what it took for them. They're here, and they're not going to let this obstacle stand in the way of getting their friend to Jesus. So they leave him. Can't you see him? Maybe one of them stayed back with him. The rest of them go, and they're pilfering all around. It's like, hey, can I borrow this ladder? Hey, can I borrow this rope? I'll bring it right back. Can I, I need some tools here. Can I borrow this hatchet? Can I borrow this? I, 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 whatever they had. I don't know what tools they had then, Mr. Bruce. I, I don't know what kind of construction workers they had back then. But can't you see them? Then they go crawling up. They're putting this ladder up against the roof. And they go crawling up there. And everybody outside is like, what in the world is going on? Now put yourself inside the church. You're saying there, Jesus is talking. He's giving all these wonderful words of wisdom. The Pharisees are sitting there, cross-armed. They're scowling, and they're all upset with him. And all of a sudden, you're kink, 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 kink. Right, Bobby? He's like, that's distracting, right? I mean, we've been in church services where there's a baby crying. It's like, will you take the baby out? Because I can't hear him. And they continue to hear the banging. I like where it said they're digging it out. They're just keeping on ripping that roof out. But how big of a hole do you have to have to lower this guy who's paralyzed? I mean, it's not this big. They're not going to slide it down and go, right? I mean, that's not going to be a good result. I mean, they're doing this huge hole, putting all this rope. I mean, then they had to get him up there. They had to lift him up. Think about logistics of what it took to do this. Then they lower him down. Now, at this point, they have now captivated the whole service, right? I mean, can you imagine continuing on, and you see the hole opening up in the ceiling? And now, all of a sudden, you see somebody, you see rope. I mean, don't you imagine Jesus even stops and like, what's going on up there? And here they lower this guy down. Can you imagine being in a church service that somebody ripped the roof off of your building? I mean, how forward is that? How many of you would be happy if we're having a meeting at your house and somebody starts ripping your roof off to get somebody in there? I mean, who would do that? Somebody who's desperate. Verse 20. But seeing their faith, he, Jesus, said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your heart? Which is easier to say to you, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you will know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. And immediately he got up from before them, and picked up what he was lying on and went home glorifying God. Isn't that amazing? There's so much here that he was carried in on a bed, lowered down through a roof. God healed him and said, now pick up what you were brought in here on. Just again, the 
the healing that had to take care of somebody who's paralyzed, that their, their muscles are atrophied. They don't have muscles. They can't walk. And the complete miracle that God did for him to be able to pick up his bed and walk out, are you kidding me? That's awesome. Verse 26, And they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled, filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Church on the Rock, Dallas. That's what I'm praying and believing God asked for. That we will have the power of God to heal in our services so much that people walk out of here saying, we have seen remarkable things today. But who's the focus of this parable, not parable, but this story in the Bible? Most people, I believe, would put the focus on the guy who was healed. But where I'd like to land today is on his friends. Because they could have given up. They could have said, we're coming back tomorrow. We're going to find out where Jesus is tomorrow or next week, or maybe he'll be closer. Maybe we can get there a little bit earlier. But we don't even know the, the seriousness. Why did they have to get him to Jesus that day? Maybe he was close to death. I don't know. We don't know other than what they just gave us here. But there was a sense of urgency for his friends that they were not taking no for an answer. They weren't going to let an obstacle, a something that it's not, it's not quite easy, it's not even like a little bit hard, there's no way you're getting in here. And they took the time to plan And they figured out, well, if I can't go in that way, we can definitely come in this way. And what did that take? Intentionality. So can I suggest to you that the people that we have in our lives that need to get to Jesus, whether or not that's church, whether or not that's sitting here with us, I mean, I hope. I'd love to have people with us. The more the merrier, right? But even before any of that, I'm talking about getting them to Jesus. Can I challenge you as I'm challenging myself? I'm not going to let any obstacle stand in my way of reaching those people that are in my life. But I'm putting intentionality now to not only the clerk at Tom Thumb, not only to the waitress that's bringing me my really awesome sweet tea and grilled chicken, green beans, and mashed potatoes, but the person that I meet here and there, and I'm not just necessarily talking about a random connection. I'm talking about somebody I see over and over, like we saw in the video, the guy that you work with, But what will that require of us? What could that require of you? It could require being uncomfortable. What if they want you to go to their house and you don't really like going to their house? What if they want you to spend some time after work going to something that they like to do? Is it worth it 
to be able to earn the right to ask them about their relationship with God. Can you put the video, that thing back up, Michael? Don't leave the lights, that's fine. Where have you seen God today? So for me, I'm asking for all the people in my life, did they see God in me this week? The people whose lives I was in and out of all week long, did they see God in me? If they're asked that question, where did you see God this week? Are they going to say, oh yeah, I had a guy sitting at my table. Or I had a guy go through my line and, oh yeah, I really felt God. I really felt that there. Even if they're not able to articulate it. Can that be our goal? Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, intentionality is such a big word. It's a strong word. But it's filled with purpose to me. And Lord, as Pastor Tad even said that he believes there's going to be a great work here and he's excited about what you're going to do here in this area. The big word in that prophecy, in that word he gave us, was work. We're not going to just be able to sit here and just hope that one day more people will show up. We're not going to just be able to say, I, ho- I just, intentional, that's going to happen. I just wish, poof, but Lord, it's going to require some work. It's going to require some uncomfortability. But Lord, right now I pray for everybody within a three-mile, five-mile radius of where we're at right now, of this place that you told us to plant. And Lord, I pray that you will lead us to these people that are crying out for you. People are having difficulty in their marriages. People who are having difficulty with their family, with their children, with their parents, with their siblings. People who are on drugs and don't know how to get off. People who don't know what tomorrow holds. People who have lost their jobs and don't know how they're going to survive. People who are contemplating suicide. Lord, they're all around us. Father, I pray that you will lead us to them. Not for a one-minute encounter to tell them they're going to hell or they need Jesus. But Father, that we will have intentionality and we'll be able to start building a relationship to earn the right to tell them about you, our best friend. Father, I ask you to take these words and that they'll translate from what you've given me in my heart and that they'll resonate with us all week long. Thank you for being a great God. Thank you for so loving everybody in the world. Thank you for so loving me that you came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.